I, uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw it out there that I'm really struggling this morning. We're hurting as a family from the loss of my father-in-law, and I, I have never felt so cruddy about having to do a sermon before in my life. This week was was rough, and and when you when you try to look for videos of Father's Day, about 98% of them are tear jerkers, and I just I just was not ready for a tear jerker, and this one made me laugh several times and reminded me of a, a situation with Kara's dad in a, in a healthy way. So you got stuck with teats and nipples this morning, and I apologize for that, but it was, it was the best I got, and if you don't like it, you know, I, just, I don't know what to say to you except this is Daylight Church, and there's no telling what's going to happen. But this, uh, this is partially why today's sad for me. This is, this is my, these are my two grandfathers and my father, all of whom are deceased. That's uh, the picture on the left is the only picture I have. I'm, I'm Herman Lewis Hussman III, and this is the only picture I have of all three of us, just the three of us, uh, that's in existence that I know of. And it's, it's at our A-frame lodge on Kentucky Lake, playing, playing golf together in the yard. That's, that's Herman Hussman Sr. on the left, and Herman Hussman Jr. in the brown jumpsuit, which is pretty much what he dressed in. All, it was either brown or uh, baby blue jumpsuits all the time. And then that's, that's me, the adorable one with... Uh, with the club in the middle. And then to the right is my grandfather, Tom Stevenson. And so, so all the, the male figureheads in my history are, have departed. And, uh, and then I've shared with you that I had a, a college mentor that, that turned into a pretty sour and conceivable. It's, it's hard for me to use the word abusive, but my therapists have used the word abusive. And so this, this male role model turned pretty south pretty, pretty fast. And so I don't have a celebration inside my spirit over that one. And the one man that I would have celebrated, COVID took him from us. Dang it. Um, at the end of last year, I already cried through it this morning, and so I thought I, I, thought I could do this. Um, I've, I've discovered that, that mourning, you know, mourning is different for every person, and for me, it's avoidance. That's, that's how I cope. Is my, my wife made all these photo books of her dad, and I, just, I still haven't looked at them. I don't want to. I don't want to look at the picture that's on the screen right now. I want to move on with life and, and not feel. And uh, so, so it was hard for me to put a, even a picture of him on the screen. But this, the story in, or the, the, the scene you just saw from Meet the Parents reminded me of, of kind of the first time that I realized I loved this man. And some of you have probably heard this story. I think I've even told it in here. But it was when I first started dating my wife. Babe, I'm sorry today's tough. Um, I, was, I was traveling to North City, Illinois from Murray, Kentucky to uh, ask for his, her parents' favor to, to see her, to, to court her. Uh, I, it's, I know it's old-fashioned, but that's what I was doing, and <laughs> I, I, uh, I found myself drive. I was in a, I think I was, a, was Dodge Shadow. No, I was in a, a, a brown Chevy Blazer, and uh, I found myself doing 105 miles an hour on the way there accidentally. I was just so nervous and so amped and so ready for this moment, and and just anxious, just just not sure what they'd say. I had a, I had a good vibe that they probably would be for the relationship, but. I wasn't positive, and so I was nervous. And when I, when I realized I was going 105 miles an hour, I backed off. And I remember telling myself, well, if the cop pulls me over, I'll just tell him I'm in love. <laughs> and just Now I think about how dumb that was. But that was, that was where I was at, at the, in this moment. I was amped. And, 
And I got there, and this is their farm in southern Illinois. The little red asterisk there is, is, is their farmhouse. And uh, I pulled up this driveway, and just south of that, of that asterisk, is uh, they have a porch swing. And apparently about 20 minutes before I got there, Kara and her dad were sitting on the porch swing. And she was telling him that she was in love with this completely hot stud, right? And uh, that's the word she used. I thought it would get more of a response than that. <laughs> and then I showed up, and everybody's wah, 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 right? right? But she was telling him why I was coming. And while, while they were having this conversation, the porch swing broke and dropped both of them on the floor. And they tilted backwards. And so this, this <laughs> is a sign of things to come, right? And uh, I got, we gathered in the living room, and within two or three minutes, he was retelling this story. So I was so nervous about it. I mean, I was so nervous about meeting him and saying, hey, I'd, I'd like to see your daughter with the intention of probably marrying her someday. And, and uh, he starts telling the story, and he reenacts it right there in the living room floor and flops on his back, and his legs are kicked up in the air, and he's flailing around, and it just broke the ice. And, and I, I knew at that minute that I was in, Right. It was that moment, and, and I spent countless hours with this man tiling floors and sweating copper and jacking up the foundation of houses that we had purchased and, and mudding drywall and just all kinds of work, and then out on the farm with him, and we traveled together, and it's just, he, he, was, he was the first, my dad was an alcoholic that died when I was nine, and he was the first uh, male figurehead in my life that I could love, that I felt loved me back and I could learn from, and and it's just been hard. My wife, you know, six months is not enough time to grieve. And there's still, still times when I hear her crying silently at night, and it's just hard. And it, I'm having a hard time, and they're having a hard time. And so on a day when we're supposed to say, Happy Father's Day, woohoo, yeah, I, I feel none of that. I, I, and, and it's hard for me because I know, I know that there's a lot of truth to we should celebrate fathers, and it's, it's a celebratory day, and that's why we. We, we do Father's Day, but it's, from, from this preacher's perspective, it's challenging. And I, I went through the list of, of all the stuff that we said makes Mother's Day difficult and re-brought re it up for Father's Day. And it's, it's kind of the same list. If you're here and you've, you haven't been able to have children, there's an inability, or you just haven't had the opportunity and you would like children, that's challenging. If, if you feel alone or inadequate as a father, if your adoptive and foster fathers carry, carry different, different burdens than, than biological parents and if you have concerns about your child's path or, or if you're a child with the concerns about your dad's path or you're lost or estranged from your father or your children or uh, if you're feeling failure or bad, if you've had bad experiences, then Father's Day, is a day when we say, hey, everybody, bacon makes it better, then bacon makes it better just sounds stupid and it's, it, it feels a little bit untrue. And we just always want to acknowledge that, but it's, it's more than an acknowledgement for me today. It's, it's something that I'm dealing with personally. Is something I'm feeling quite acutely, and Mike, Mike stopped me. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Uh, during prayer, I just wanted to sob, just break down, and and I managed to get through prayer without breaking down. And I'm on my way out the door, and Mike goes, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "No, I'm not okay." <laughs> and it's just it's just very real that that today can be a painful day. And while while I was researching this, and kind of the pains that fathers feel and how to mourn appropriately, I came across this article which said even the Greeks had daddy, daddy issues. I've always been real honest about my daddy issues, that there's, you know, a Geico commercial about fathers can come on, and I'm, <laughs> it's just me nowadays. But I found out this about Thor and his parents, or Zeus and his parents, which I thought was semi-amusing. It says, Zeus was the last of six children born to Rhea and Kronos. 
His elder siblings, Poseidon, Hades, Hestia, Demeter, and Hera, were all swallowed shortly after their births by their father. Cronus ate his children, fearing a prophecy that stated his children would overthrow him, like he overthrew his father. To protect her child, Rhea hid Zeus until he was able to make Cronus forcibly regurgitate the children. Zeus did not learn from his father's mistakes, for he also was a forefather, which I just thought was interesting and, <laughs> and made me feel a little bit better that Zeus had. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm on this group called Dad Bod Transformation. You may, I, I'm, I'm fairly proud this morning. And we've, I've noticed there's a lot of these type style shirts today, and I, I, was, I was debating whether I tuck mine in or not, and I'm glad I chose not to because I see really fashionable dudes like Witt wearing his untucked and Stu and, and, and Ernie, all of us wearing shirts like this. But this is the first time I've worn this shirt since we launched Daylight Church because I couldn't fit in it. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of... Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, so I'm in this, this group called Dad Bod Transformation, and this dude Ryan posted. And, and these are beast mode dudes. I mean, some of these guys have made transformations in their bodies from weighing 380 pounds to, to looking like this guy at 210 or 215 or whatever he weighs. And uh, it's, it's really encouraging, but this guy posted about his dad. And it was just this really emotional, touching post that I wanted to share with you. And I reached out to him and asked for permission to share it and share his pictures. And uh, this, is, this, is, this is what he posted. He's, so his, his dad is dealing with dementia and some other illnesses that kind of shut him down. And he's unable to speak at this point. And so Ryan was sharing about the, what, kind of what Father's Day feels like and his 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 lack of motivation to work out because of his dad's situation. He says, it breaks my heart to not be able to have a conversation with my dad anymore. He's here, but not. And at the same time, I don't want to let him go because I'm selfish. Anyways, I was really down, and after a bit of crying, I went and slayed it in the home gym and felt so much better. Thanks for listening. And all these dude bros, I mean, you know, buff dudes, started responding to Ryan's post. And it was just kind of overwhelming on the kindness that, that was shown in this form of dad bod transformation. And one guy said this. He said, this is such a great post. Your why you work out is multifaceted. The benefits are also evident. I know how hard it is to live with devastating ongoing illnesses. Bless you. You're very strong. And your daddy loves you. And this is a buff dude saying, your daddy loves you. I just wish he could speak. Hang in there, man. Keep pushing. And that's, that's the part I want to point out is that that all these massive beast mode guys, when you mention daddy issues and daddy pain, just post after post was like, I feel you. I relate to that. And, and then when I, was, when I was asking Ryan for permission, he, he responded right away. I, I, I messaged him and said, hey, could, we, could I use this in a sermon? I'm a, I'm a pastor. And this was his response. He said, after 12 years of the Marine Corps telling me to suck it up and tough it out, it's really nice to have a shoulder to lean on. See, for Mother's Day, there's, there's something about, you know, making this list of pains and everybody kind of says, says, yeah, that's, that's appropriate. But on Father's Day, you can kind of gloss over that and get away with it for some reason. That's because men, in general, are told to suck it up and be strong. And, and one thing Ryan said back to me, he said this. He said, you absolutely have my blessing using them in any way to help others understand there are people out there that care and it's okay to be sad and express yourself. And I think men need to hear this, that it's okay to feel, it's okay to be emotional, it's okay to break, it's okay to break down sobbing, and I feel closer to Mike as a result of opening up my, I mean, it was uncontrollable, I didn't have a choice in this 
particular moment, but there's something relational about expressing emotion. And there's, there's a tribe being built in dad bod transformation in the Facebook group because men are opening up and saying, I'm hurting for my dad today. And it, it, it's, it's kind of a simple point, and I don't have much depth to it at all except to say that it's okay to feel that. It's okay if you're hurting today. It's also okay if you're not hurting today. It's okay if you're with your dad, your relationship with your dad is, is solid, or your dad is available, or, you, or, or there's people that mourn, but they mourn by celebration. There's people that say, I got 15 years with a fantastic father, and that's what I'm going to focus on today. And I just want to say that, that whatever it is you're feeling today, it's okay that you're feeling that. And that's my, that's my don't show slide. But this is the moment where you yell at the pastor. So I want to, I wanna for, just, for just a brief moment, talk about traits of a good father. I want you to get a picture in your head of what, what, what it means to be a good father and what are some of those traits, and I want you to yell them out at me. So go. Dependable, supportive. Patient. Encouraging. Loves their mother. Honest. Leadership. Present. Goofy, is, goofy helps because we're all pretty goofy. Forgiving. Yeah, what else? Willing to admit failure and humorous, right? So I've got the humorous part nailed, at least. I got one out, one out of 20, right? I'm killing it. Joyful. So I, I came up with my own list and, and kind of preempted what you guys would say, and some of them are on there and some of them aren't, but this is, this is what I threw down pretty quickly, and it's protector and provider. Those, those seem like the, there's a little bit of you know, toxicity in, in the, in t- toxic, toxicity, danger of, accusa- accusation of toxicity in these statements. You know, when you, when you start off with protector and provider, then all of a sudden, oh, that's the male, oh, that's the male thing, huh? That's the dad thing. Well, I, I, this has, says nothing about what mothers should be, because I think mothers should be protectors and providers, too. But we've got protector and provider and an example. I, th- I think example and teacher are kind of separate, but the same is you, you teach by telling, but then you lead by example. An inspiration, a presence, which Claire, I think, is that Claire, you're the one that yelled that out? Presence is, is very important. And, and that ties into one of the things we said on Mother's Day is that there's always a mother. And in some sense, there's not always a father. That, that's, that's where there's, there is a difference. Because if, if, you, if you exist, a mother made great sacrifices for you to be here. A father didn't necessarily do so. A father could have just enjoyed his moment, and that's it. He's gone. He's done. And so presence is, is super important when it comes to fathers. A listener, a support, a soother and healer. A releaser, meaning uh, not, not a father that tries to own you and control you, but, but lets you be human and lets you, lets you exist and lets you do what God's called you to do and to, to go out and be a productive human being. And then finally an initiator, meaning uh, they don't just wait for you to make the move, but they're, they're active in your life on their, on their time and their dime. I also think a good father is willing to challenge. If, if, if an intervention is required, a good father will step in and say, hey, I think you're walking a... It doesn't mean they're going to own you or control you, but they'll, they'll watch over you and say, hey, you know, this is probably not the best decision for your life. And then I mentioned love in action. And love in action is, is different than just the expression of love or the sentimentality of love. It's, it's the... It's, it's all the rest of it in one big package. It's that love shows up and love does something. So a father that says, I love you, but is not present, or says, I love you, and is not forgiving, or says, I love you, and does not release you, 
there's, there's something missing. It's, it, love in action is kind of, in my opinion, like three words that quantify all the rest of the story. And what, where I'm going with this and what I want to tie into is the idea that when, when God chose to reveal himself to mankind, and he did, he did so through people, and he did so through people in a patriarchal society, and so that's, that's definitely something to consider, but he, he chose to reveal himself as primarily what? Love, but, but he did so through a, 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 a figure. Yes, thank you. I thought, I thought this would be a really easy question. <laughs> so somebody, they asked Jesus how to pray. And this is, this is prayed in churches all over the world right here, right now. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so this was, this was actually kind of revolutionary. So, so God, up until this point, was, was referred to as Adonai, which means Lord. It's kind of a master figure. And, and there's occasions where, where Father is used in the Old Testament, but Jesus really started to drive this point home that, that God is a Father. And so when we, when we pray, when Jesus said how to pray, he said you start with a particular type of relationship. And then we've all yelled out in here what, what, that, what a good Father relationship looks like. And so he's, pray, he's, saying, he's saying when you pray, recognize that you're praying to a supporter, you're praying to a forgiver. You're praying to a soother. You're praying to one who is present. You're praying to all of these things. And it's just, the, the, the Lord's Prayer is so brilliant. But it starts off with that relational aspect, is that God is all of these things. And, and the scriptures are replete with references to such. It says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. A father to the fatherless is God in his holy dwelling. The Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, which are the ancient creeds of the church that people, again, are reciting in, in liturgical churches all over the world right here, right now, is, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. And it goes from there, but it starts off with, I believe in God the Father Almighty. It could, it could just say God the Almighty, which puts him out there and, and doesn't necessarily encapsulate all of these good qualities that we've been talking about. And so it's really neat that Scripture not only defines God as fatherly, but then in all the stories, in all the passages, in all the sermons, in all the poems, it, it undergirds his fatherly characteristics. The Nicene Creed, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And then Jesus, when he's talking about the Holy Spirit coming on the church, he says this. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you were evil and, and in the Greek, this word doesn't actually mean evil the way we would calculate evil, but it's, it's, a, it's a different, it's, it's, like, it's like a lesser sort of, if you, if you, this is a qualifier about how good God is, but it says, you know how to give, so you who are lesser, might be a decent way to say it, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so this is, this is comparative, and, and what Jesus was saying was, He's, he's talking about how you can trust God. He's talking about how when you ask God for something, you can, you can place your faith in him and, and know that he's going to be there for you. But he's doing it by saying, you guys are one type of parent. And you're good. He's, he's saying you're good parents because if, you're, if your kid asks for, for fish, you're going to give it to him. You're not going to give him something else. If he asks for bread, you're not going to give him a scorpion because, because you're, you're good parents. But, but you're not, your goodness is kind of like evil in comparison to what a good parent God is. And so he's saying, not only is God a father, but he's the best of fathers. He's, he's, whatever the characteristics are of a father, God is 
that times 100, that times 1,000. And so it's, it's comparative, and it's, it's, it's how God reveals himself. And then, like I said, the Scriptures not only delineate between God as Lord and Master and Father, they, they, not, they not only describe God as Father, but then all those characteristics that we, describe, that we ascribe to being a good father... That's how you see God revealing himself to mankind all throughout Scripture. And so when we take my list, we say he's a protector. The psalmist says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, and whom I will trust. We talk about him as a provider. Jesus said that, he said, basically, when you pray, don't, don't freak out. Don't, don't strive. Don't, he said, don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. All those, he says, those are the things that, that non-believers chase after. That, that's what, what people are trying to get a hold of. He says, he says, instead, know this. He says, your father knows what you need even before you ask him, which puts an interesting bent on what it means to pray. As an example, we're told specifically to follow God's example as dearly loved children. And so, so what I'm getting at here is that when we talk about God as father, does he, have, does he have the qualifications to back this statement up, or is he, is he just lording over people all the time, and he should have been, remained as Adonai? And I say, Father, Father works. His teacher says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. As far as a presence, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. There's one passage in Scripture that describes God as a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And if, if there's any aspect of God, and, and, I, and sometimes God can feel distant, but if there's any aspect that is just unthinkably amazing about God the Father, it's that even when you're alone. So after, after I had my little sobbing mess with Mike this morning, I went out to the pavilion and sat by myself, but I wasn't by myself. I was being encouraged and comforted. And when Mike prayed for me, God did what Mike asked, that, that God would be with me and give me peace and comfort. And it's so amazing that I can go anywhere I want by myself with people that I don't know around me and still have that presence of a father, that presence of a God that cares and hears and listens. And speaking of listens, it says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my pleas. If you know anything about having kids, you know they're going to they're gonna make noise. <laughs> Stu was asking me, because my, my kids were out of town uh, last week. It was just me, so, or this week actually. I had, I had two or three days by myself, which if, if you listen carefully, I'll say, I had two or three days by myself. He said, how is it having the kids back? I said, oh, it's great. He said, tell me honestly. I said, okay, it's 80% great. Because there's, some, there's something about just the silence. But you know kids are going to talk and talk and talk. And I, I heard an example this week about a, a guy who heard a son talking to his father at a crash-up derby. And the kid was asking questions after question after question. And, and the, the, kid, the dad finally said to the kid, you ask too many questions. And he noticed that the kid shut up after that. And it, there, there's, there's something to a father that's not only present, but like attuned. And it's, it's one thing, so when I'm on my computer and I'm preparing a sermon and Judson comes in and says, he does this every single day, every single day. He says, Dad, can you print me something? And, I'm, and, and if I have time, I say, what do you want me to print? He'll say, unicorn candy. And so I'll type in unicorn candy and we'll find, and then he'll go, oh, because I have a 52-inch monitor, right? And he's standing there going, that one, and, we'll and it's just a simple printing of whatever, whatever picture comes up with unicorn candy, but every day, Dad, will you print me something? And sometimes I have to say, no, I don't have time. And in every one of those situations, I, I always think, is what I'm doing more important than that? Like, is there, is there anything more important than that? And sometimes I finally decide, yes, it, it kind of is, and I, I can't decide, is that, 
make me a bad dad or not. You know, I'm, I'm still providing. I'm still doing a job. I'm still uh, try, trying to be a good pastor and all this. But, but we've got this father that when you go out to the pavilion, you've been crying. Bam, he's there. Never too busy. Never, ever too busy. You're never alone. It's, it's good to have a father that says you're never, ever alone. As far as the support, it says, they confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. A stay is like an anchor. Uh, you have tent stays. So, so when, you, when you knock your tent pegs into the ground, those are your tent stays. That, so when the winds come and the winds blow, the tent doesn't blow away. And this says, God is that to you. And that's, that's good news. However, how, how, however much Kara and I and Jenny and Abby and Megan and the grandkids, however much we mourn today, it's good to know that we have a place to turn. That this world isn't the end, that we have a higher revelation than this, that we understand that good things are happening to Randy, that we will be together again. It's God that's our stay. It's God that's our strength. I don't know how people apart from God get by in moments like this. He's a soother. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comforts. You also know this about kids, that not only does Judson come in and say, can you put me something today? <laughs> Every single, and it's like the best moment of my life, even when I'm busy. But there's also, like <laughs> last night even, he was, he was just standing on the ground and fell forward and hit his head on the ground. It just, I mean, <laughs> just like, like nesty plunge, bam, hit his head. And then there's this, there's, there's this pause while he's trying to figure out if he's hurt himself or not. And then he erupts in crying and <laughs> Kara's, Kara's reading. So he comes to Kara's side of the bed, and he's going, ah, ah, and I say, Juddy, come over, because Kara's just, because <laughs> you hear it all the time, all the time. I mean, somebody's always hitting somebody, scratching somebody, knocking their face on something, stubbing their toe on something, and you can, you can tell the difference between I'm injured and I want your attention, right? There's, there's different cries for different situations, and this was one of those, I think I'm hurt, can I, can I be with you? And so... I said, Juddie, come on over here. And I have no idea, what, what am I talking about? Soothing. Uh, and, and he's not, he's hurt. But what he wants in that moment is just somebody to hold him and say, I'm sorry you're hurt. It's okay. And I think God does this. I, I, think, I, think, I think the universe of the gospel declares, I'm sorry you're hurt. It's going to be okay. It is okay and it's going to be okay. And God, God is a good father and a good God. As far as a healer, it says, Lord my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. An hour later, he's a healer that desires your healing and always will. A releaser, you my brothers and sisters were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. You, you get into some deep, deep theological questions about sovereignty and free will here, but I'm a believer that God was a releaser. I believe he created sentient beings that can do their own stuff, and I think that designates that he's a good father. He's an initiator. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then he's willing to challenge us. You know, we, we, we kind of, he, he, talks, he talks about false teachers that do nothing but tickle your itching ears, you know, where, where you come into church and every, every single week it's, it's just a feel-good sermon. And sometimes a pastor needs to challenge you, and, and, and sometimes the scriptures challenge you, and sometimes the presence of Jesus challenges you, and sometimes doggone it, the Holy Spirit will convict you and challenge you. And, 
and ask you to do really difficult things that you don't want to do. And that's a good father. A good father, my son doesn't want to go to swim practice every now and then. He wants to be a swimmer, but he doesn't want to go to swim practice because the water's cold and the, it's, it's really challenging and they, they make him swim for 1,000 meters or 1,500 meters. Or how, I mean, it's just grueling. But a good dad has to say, you want to be a swimmer? You got to step up and swim, right? And so, so God, many times, if, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to be a, a good human being, sometimes he's going to challenge you. Sometimes he's going to push you. And in this passage, it says, see, I've set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Choose life. There, there's that, there's that uh, releasing. He, he allows us to choose. Choose life so that you and your children may live and experience life. So sometimes a good father challenges, and in this case, God does many times. And then love and action. Well, hello, Jesus. If you, if you really want to see that God is a good father, if you, if you have questions about whether God is a good father, this is, this is the spot. Hello, Jesus. It says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son has made him known. In Colossians, it says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And I don't, I don't know exactly where I land on the nature of what they call the atonement, like what, what is it exactly that God did on the cross. There's, there's a view called Christus Victor, that he conquered death in the grave and, and, and sin, and that's, that's kind of where I land, but there's other, there's other theories as well, and, and it's really not important for this conversation. But, but what Christianity has traditionally taught and historically taught and still teaches today is that the death of Jesus on the cross somehow bridged a gap for us. Like there was this insurmountable gap between us and holiness. There was, this, there, there was this gap that we couldn't cross. There was this canyon that's insurmountable and unthinkable that we could never, we could never move across. And somehow, way, the death, the torturous death of Jesus and his resurrection bridged that for us. And I, again, I don't know how it worked. I, I, I can speculate, I can think, but I, I'm, I'm kind of lost on it. But when we talk about love in action... Jesus says there is no greater to love than this, the one who would lay down his life for his friends. And that's what, that's what Jesus did for us. And so when we, when we want to know, is God a good father, that's, that's the spot to look every single time. Is. And, and there's also this weird aspect of, of God the father watching his son tortured and killed and enduring that. There was like a double endurance going on here that's buried in the mystery of the Trinity that I can't explain. But I can't imagine. I, I would go to the cross before I would ever watch my, son, my sons or my daughter go to the cross. And somehow in this moment, God experienced both. It was the worst of the worst, and he did it for us, somehow, some way. God is a good, good father. There's a story of Chad Gaspard. Have you guys heard about this guy, the WWE wrestler on Venice Beach? So this is Venice Beach, and it looks like a beautiful spot, right? And Chad Gaspard, he was six foot seven, muscle bound. I've got a picture of him. There he is. Here we go. More nipples in the church today. Sorry about that. Chad Gaspar, world WWE wrestler, six foot seven, strong as an ox, out swimming with his 10-year-old son in Venice Beach, and they got caught by a riptide and pulled way out into the water like, like that. And they were, they were really struggling, and the lifeguard saw it occurring and started swimming out to them. And the lifeguard, in, later when he was telling his story, said his intention was to save both. But, but Chad said, save my son, save my son. He said... So instead, instead of the risk of trying to haul both of them in when they were both in danger, he said, no, save my son. And so he took the 10-year-old. He got him to shore safely. The 10-year-old lived. Chad Gaspard didn't make it. 
And, and we, can, we can look at this and say, that was a good father, right? Now, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the moment, could he have saved both? I don't know. I, I, I'm not there. I don't, I don't know the details. But what we can say is this is a person who was a good father because he had his son's best interest. Hi, I'm sorry. I just saw my wife. Thank you. <laughs> so what do you do with this good father? You move toward and not away. I will forever love this passage of Scripture where Jesus talks about the prodigal son and the prodigal son running away. And going to feed the pigs, which was Jewish speak for as bad as life gets. Like he had turned away from his father to chase after other stuff, and the other stuff turned to be pig slop. And at one point the father says, or the, the son says, I'm going back to my dad. I've got to go back to my dad, and I'll, I'll come up with this story where I'll try to, I'll try to win his heart. I'll try, to, I'll try to convince him that I can live with the servants and at least not live with the pigs anymore. And it says this. It says, he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. So don't be scared. Don't be scared of God. Don't be scared of God the Father. We view, view the Father as this list that we've created today, not as Adonai, the great master and commander of the heavens that you must bow down before. That's not the identity he wanted to establish with us. I think, I think over Scripture we see this unfold. I, I, lots of theories in Scripture that I'm not going to get into. I'm not going to follow that rabbit trail. not going to happen. Stop it. But what, what I mean is there's, there's all this crap you can pursue. And if you're afraid of the Father, you're naturally going to face that direction. But if you see the Father as this amazing list that we've created and what it means to be a good Father, and He's one that you can run to, here's what's going to happen. is He's, going to, he's not going to meet you halfway. You're going to take a couple steps towards Him, and He's going to rock it into your presence. He's going to rock it to be as close to you as possible. And then, so run to- towards, not further away, and then tell Him about the pool, which is a silly HL way of saying, talk to him about everything. My son doesn't want to go swimming, but he, when he does go swimming, then he comes back and says, do you know I swam a mile and a half today, and, and, and I'm the third best in my group in breaststroke, and, and those kids are older than me, and they swim year-round, and he, he, like, he really wants to tell me. Like, like He wants me to be in his life. He wants me to be connected with everything. And then, and then he climbed a rope, and he's the only person at our house, and we've got a lot of people that live at our house that's been able to climb the rope all the way to the top and touch the branch. And then Judson comes in, and he says, or Riggs, our three-year-old, comes in and says, there's a centipede in the spi- and a spider in the basement. Will you come kill it? And I'll say, I'll come kill it later, man, because this is one of those moments where I'm typing B. But he saw a centipede and wanted his dad to be in on it, right? This is the kind of stuff in the video get you wouldn't believe the Minecraft that I deal with all the time. If you're a parent, you understand it, right? It's just, it's, it's just constant, this, this, like, and, and, I, and sometimes I even say it out loud, I don't care. I'll be, I'll be walking through the house, and one of my kids will be chasing me, telling me about Minecraft, and I'll say, I don't care, I don't care, and they still, they know that I don't actually don't care, but they talk, they talk, they talk, they want their dad in their life, they want their dad close, and when, when their brother hits them, they want dad to know, and when they hear gunshots outside, or in this case, fireworks, but they think it's gunshots, they want to come and climb into your bed, and this is the kind of what I mean by this, is that you can talk to God. You don't have to impress him with what you have to say. 
In fact, I'd say 96% of everything my children ever say to me is not very impressive as far, as far as conversationally, right? But it's the best thing that happens in my life. The fact that they want to be close, the fact that they want to be near, it's, it's incredible. And you can, you can approach God from that perspective. Is All you got to do is be there. All you got to do is open up the lines. You don't have to do anything more than that to be close to your father. C.S. Lewis said it like this, and I'm closing with this. He says, prayer is either a sheer illusion or a personal contact between embryonic, incomplete persons, ourselves, and the utterly concrete person. Prayer in the sense of petition, which is how we view it most of the time, is asking for stuff, asking for things is a small part of it. Confession and penitence are its threshold. That's, that's the path that you walk through. Adoration is its sanctuary. And the presence and vision, listen to this part, the presence and vision and enjoyment of God, it's bread and wine. In it, God shows himself to us. So prayer isn't just about asking. It's not just about praising. It's, just not, about, it's not about all the stuff that we think about prayer being at. It's, it's being. It's being close. It's, being, it's, allow, it's allowing. We talked about how a, 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 a good father is present. It's allowing that presence because he's also a releaser. He's also one who will let you be far, far. You're never actually far away. You're just a turn away at any particular time. But go to this God and tell him everything. Tell him everything and tell him nothing and just be close to him and he will show up and show you what a good father looks like.